So we are continuing chapter 20 in Lord Vishnu's appearance in the sacrificial arena of Prithu Maharaj. Who did he appear with? Indra. <laughs> Indra is very intelligent. <laughs> so we're on text 14. To give protection to the general mass of people who are citizens of the state is the prescribed occupational duty for a king. By acting in that way, the king in, the, the king, uh, in his next life shares one-sixth of the result of the pious activities of the citizens. But a king or executive head of state who simply collects taxes from the citizens but does not give them proper protection as human beings has the results of his own pious activities taken away by the citizens and in exchange for his not giving protection, he becomes liable to punishment for the impious activities of his subjects. So, if, how many people now are uh, thrown in their hat for the Democratic uh, candidacy for president? 14. If they read this verse, they'd probably take their hats out. <laughs> right? <laughs> They probably say, whoa, there's a lot of impiety going on in America. I don't, I don't want to get one-sixth of that. Is it one-sixth? Um, well, I, don't, I have to give whatever piety I have to the citizens and exchange um, I'm liable for their impious activities. Ouch. That would be... Uh, of course, I guess I also get credit for the devotional service that goes on in their country. So, Prabhupada writes at the end of the purport that these subtle laws of nature are unknown to the present leaders of society, right? That, that is certainly a fact. No one, no one you know, on, a, on their inauguration day says, all of you citizens, please act piously now, right? Because, um, I get, there's this one-sixth thing going on. <laughs> right. Since the leaders of society have a poor fund of knowledge and the citizens in general are rogues and thieves, there cannot be an auspicious situation for human society. At the present moment, the whole world is full of such an incompatible combination of state and citizens. And therefore, there is constant tension war, anxiety, and an inevitable result of such social conditions. So if we took a serious, objective look at the world, we'd see that uh, Prabhupada is speaking a lot of truisms here. Um, that uh, the world is full of an incompatible combination of state and citizens. That's an interesting two words, isn't it? Incompatible combination. Right? So the, the compatible, what would be the compatible combination? Anyone? If, it, if this is presently an incompatible combination of state and citizens, what would be, what would a compatible combination look like? Jiva?
so citizens are engaged spiritually, paying being good citizens, paying taxes, etc. And of course, the then the the head of the state or the heads are similarly engaged. Yeah. So it's just so it's so far from reality that it's that you read something like this and it almost seems like you know well just that's another yuga, right? Because it's so so far from. Uh, from reality, and therefore there's constant tension. Now again, we might become dull to it because we're so used to it. But if you take a step back and just pick up, well, I don't know, if the, do newspapers still exist? Uh, go on a, a, news, a news website or you know, look at a newspaper. Um, literally, it's full of tension, war, and anxiety. Not necessarily a, a physical war, those, those are going on. But there's the corporate wars, right? There's the, uh, you know, there's so many other, and it's and it is pretty much. Uh, Prabhupada uses the word constant. You don't you don't pick up the newspaper any day, and everything one says there's no bad news today. Everyone's getting along well. Matter of fact, that those, that wouldn't sell, right? That wouldn't sell. So it's 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 good to look at, uh, and, and also to understand that behind these strong statements of Srila Prabhupada's. He has a, uh, a mission. So what do you think is behind? You know, he speaks so strongly sometimes against material life. Why do you think he does that? Everyone's a little, uh, it's a little early in the morning today. Yes? Sometimes to make someone up, you have to shake them. Yeah, yeah. And, and lots of times it's to us that he's, Speaking to not just the world but us, that uh, you know that, that just there's no you know uh, there's no permanent enjoyment in this material world, and it really is not our real home. And um, even sometimes we can become a little, you know, when we first heard that as new devotees, it was like wow, right? But after 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, it might be, yeah, right? So we have to, um, it's incumbent upon us to not uh, have kind of like, I don't know if it's contempt. We say familiarity breeds contempt. But familiarity can sometimes like, yeah, okay, what else is new? Kind of attitude, right? But uh, even as we, especially as we grow older, um, we want to uh, really become... Um, in a healthy way, detached from this world. And of course, the way to really do that is to become attached to Sri Sri Radha Madan Mohan. Um, yet they go on simultaneously. Henry, you have a point you want to make? Um, hello, yes. I think, you know, that's why it's so important to study the Bhagavatam every day because um, Maya is so strong and we just tend to forget, even though we think we're devotees, we tend to forget these things and we really need to hear it every day and over and over and over again because we're very thick. Yeah, we're thick and, and we do, uh, we're, thank you for that. We are very, very, um, uh, accustomed is the wrong word, uh, but we, we, yes, we go towards forgetfulness. We don't go towards Krishna. <laughs> so therefore, nityam bhagavata sevaya. I mean, it's sometimes nityam is, is, is translated as always, but at least uh, it's also translated by Srila Prabhupada as daily, like you're saying. Yeah. It's, it's just because it's such, 
for those of us who have a work in the in the world, um, especially, it's so different than the mindset of pretty much everyone that we meet in the workplace. Right? It's, just, it's, it's a very, very different mindset. Even if you're talking to good people, pious people or something, it's still very different mindset. You know, as, you know, we know who is thinking like, like George Harrison said, hope to get out of this place by the Lord Sri Krishna's grace, my salvation from the material world. Right? It's, uh, yeah. So, Srila Prabhupada, I, I was just listening to two lectures today. They were really heavy lectures. You know, and he's just like, he's just like trying to slap his, slap his disciples in the face. Wake up, wake up. Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago. You know, everyone, okay, it should be brahmachari. And if you can't do that, okay, brahmachari, for, uh, grihasa for some time, then you must, vandaprasa, then you must take sannyas. Um, he was saying on one lecture today. Of course, there's also a very sweet side, which maybe I'll be able to play today um, to his, because uh, he's simultaneously attracting us to Krishna and detaching us from this world. And of course, we know param dristva nivartate, that the, the main focus is focusing on be, um, thinking ourselves a uh, servant of Krishna. Even some one place I remember Srila Prabhupada said, no, someone said, uh, I forget they said, but we should think ourselves as devotees. And Prabhupada said, no, we should think ourselves as servants. Right? And then I was reading, um, I'm reading a book on um, habits right now. It's called Atomic Habits. I've already read a few other books on it because I give presentations on it. But this one I thought had a really almost Krishna conscious purport to it. I haven't read the whole thing yet. Maybe in upcoming classes I can speak more about it. But his, his basic premise is that <clears throat> your habits follow your identity. Who you think you are is the first thing. And then, based on who you think you are, right, then, you, then you, your habits generally follow that. So I was thinking, boy, that is, that's pretty Krishna conscious, isn't it? Right? Because we say, you know, when we're acting on false ego, we act in a certain way. And when we act on jivera svarupahaya krishnera nityadas, that we're Krishna's eternal servant, we act in a different way. Right? And, and our activities kind of follow our, who we think we are. Right? Um... Even I was talking to Mahatma Prabhu. He has, I, I don't have it with me. He has this beautiful little book called, I think, 20 Affirmations While Chanting Japa. Um, and, you know, they're affirmations. Like, when, I remember one is, when I chant, I chant, means I don't do anything else. Or chanting is an opportunity to um, something like re, re invoke my relationship with Krishna. And he's got 20 like that. And, he, and I was talking to him, he said something, you know, I think he even says in the preface, that someone might say, well, aren't affirmations kind of, you know, you know, because silly, because, you know, I remember one, one self-help guru said, you should look in the mirror every day and just say, I like myself, right? So I was, you know, kind of questioning that, and he said, so, but Mahatma Prabhu had a really good point. He said, um, but what about our, ne what, what happens when we have negative affirmations? We think, oh, I'm going to chant terrible rounds again today. 
I just got to get my rounds done today. Oh my God, this is boring. Right? If you have that mindset, what happens? You do chant lousy rounds. You do consider it boring, isn't it? Right? But if we try to ex uh, um, cultivate, not in a weird way, but in a positive way, that no, I'm, I, am, I can, by Krishna's mercy, I can be a good chanter. I am a sadhaka. I do practice sadhana nicely, or I at least try to. And lo and behold, that, that can, you know, with Krishna's grace, of course, um, not just because we say it, um, that can give a positive effect. Any thoughts? Yes, microphone. Yeah, um, I just came back from a two-week visit to Naperville. Visiting I'm going there in two weeks. Oh, yeah, I know you're doing a seminar there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was visiting a friend who actually has terminal cancer. Mm. And, uh, you know, just this whole point of cultivating this detachment in our lifetime <laughs> is so important. Like just watching her struggling and trying to actually withdraw her consciousness from all that is external and actually fix it on Krishna, although she's been engaged in services and so on. But, you know, just just the same point we're talking about. It just becomes so obvious at that time, you know, in life. Wow, yes. Yeah, and it's hard. Like, it's just like, you feel like, you know, I'm still responsible, I need to do this, I need to take care of my children, and you know, what will happen, and... Because we've been doing it for so many years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's, that can be our identity. Yeah, yeah. I told you that story many times, right, about... Uh, Why is her name avoiding me right now? Vishaka, Vishaka Priya? No, she's still alive. <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway, I'll come to me. Giri Raj Swami's disciple in uh, Brindavan, who was a well-known artist, famous artist in South Africa. And she came to leave this world in Brindavan. She actually, the doctors gave her six months and she lived for eight years in Brindavan. Um, well, Arch, Archita, no, no, not Kirtita. Arch, 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 Archana. Yes, yeah, not Kirtita. Yes, Kirtita also was a great soul, Tamal Krishnamurti's disciple. Um, Archa Vigraha, thank you, Archa Vigraha Mataji. Anyway, uh, the point was that. Uh, she, she would, my wife and I would go read to her sometimes, mainly Giri Raj Swami and Bibi Govindamaraj and others would be reading to her, but we, we got a slot sometimes. And at one point when the cancer really took over her body, she, she was doing a lot of beautiful artwork even in her illness, but at one point it got so bad that she couldn't do it anymore. And she, uh, this is such a powerful story, that's why I'm repeating it even though you probably heard it three or four times. Um, that she came to the realization that you know she's always been since she became a devotee. Well, first of all, before she was a devotee, her her identity was an artist, and then when she became a devotee, her identity was an artist for Krishna. And at the at the last stage when she couldn't do her artwork, her her realization was there's only for Krishna. Even the art upadi designation had to be let go because it was just her relationship with Krishna. Yeah. Mataji is still making jewelry for the okay. deities, you know. Well, that's, like, even in that stage. That's nice. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. And then that other devotee passed away recently in Chicago. Right? Yeah, Shvakarma Prabhu. Hare Krishna. And as Prabhupada would say, don't think this will not happen to you. Right? But the other amazing thing is that we actually don't pass away. That we're actually eternal. But certainly our identity probably will change in a lot of big ways, right? We probably may not. Let's say we take another birth. Let's say we don't go back to Godhead. Who's to say we're going to be an American? Who's to say we're going to be a male or a female? Whatever, you know, whatever uh, species we are, <laughs> whatever gender we are now. Right? Who's to say we are going to be a human being? And I'm not necessarily being an animal, but we could be a demigod. Right? Ravinda Suprabhu once uh, used to joke that uh, I think there's going to be a lot of devotees in this kind of surprise when they uh, go to the higher planets in their next life. <laughs> right. So the uh, I was just I'm just reading literally just reading um, Angira Muni and Narada Muni come to see Chichiketu after his son uh, leaves this world by poison, right? And all the purports and the the preaching of the son, the preaching of Narada, but especially the preaching of the son. You know, well, who's, who's, which father and mother are you? Yeah, which life, right? So, um, the, the, the maturity, the trick in maturity is to read these things, hear them, and especially if we're um, a uh, grihasta, to not therefore think, <laughs> right? to simultaneously do one's duty, because that was kind of the problem sometimes in earlier years of ISKCON, you know, that, uh, because you can imagine that, you read that and you think, yeah, who, <laughs> these kids are my kids for just like, you know, a few years, and I'm out of here, and they're out of here, and, you know, probably says the would-be child of your child will also die in due course of time, right? So, to balance that with, the uh, practicalities of life, right? You know, just like my, my son's getting married soon, so I'm not gonna say, oh, you know, it's total, just total Maya, you know, just like, you know, forget about it, you know? <laughs> Even actually his, his spiritual master is going to be at the wedding, um, Ritavaja Swami. We don't, I don't invite Swamis to the wedding because I think it's not, a, it's not appropriate. To, you know, I always think it's kind of strange when there's like six swamis at a wedding. But of course, it's not strange in one sense. They're doing it to offer encouragement and blessing. So it's it's definitely the intention. Is, but I always think the invitation really, you know, it's not really a swami thing. Although I did have one swami at my wedding, uh, but that was just because it was in the temple room in Vrindavan, and he just. You know, um, but anyway, Vitava just swami because he's he's that kind of swami who you know does things. For the, the, especially for the youth. So anyway, but he, what he does every time is he, he's, um, just before the groom is going to the wedding, he has a car running, and he says, you want to come with me? Forget about this. We can drive off right now and get out of here. <laughs> Forget about it. No one's taken him up on it yet. <laughs> and I doubt Kopinath will either. But, you know, there's different stages of life. But ultimately, you know, this, uh, because this is more gyan than it is bhakti, so we want to combine, you know, we want to have that knowledge yet uh, act on a devotional platform, where, for example, when, if one's bringing up children, one brings them up in Krishna consciousness. 
as an example. Or if one gets married, one has a Krishna conscious marriage. So, boy, that was a long time for one verse. Anything else on this? One verse that I didn't even... I thought we were already did this verse. <laughs> okay, text 15. Lord Vishnu continued. Oh, yes. Talking about this, um, the king taking like one-sixth of the share of pious or, you know, and if he doesn't do his duties properly... It takes the impious activities of the subjects. I'm just wondering, in a devotional context, you know, for our leaders in different capacities, how does this, yeah. to what extent does it apply? Or, I, I've you never, know, I don't have a clear, you know. <laughs> I've never heard anything that uh, speaks like that. And of course, it's also even, it, it, and as ISKCON has developed, it's even more tricky, right? Because not everyone's living in the temple, so you can't put it all on the temple president for someone who's living 40 miles away and you know has a Namahatta program, or you know, I mean, it was uh, Christian would have to figure out how to divide all that up. Um, my educated guess is that it doesn't necessarily apply. This is talking about piety, not necessarily bhakti unmut sukriti, right? Devotional activities, um, which, you know, there's that difference, right, between pious activities and devotional activities. And uh, so, I mean, one, at times Prabhupada would say that the spiritual master takes on karma, um, but I haven't heard anything about temple presidents or GBCs or department heads or, you know, Namhata leaders. It could be a pretty interesting mathematical calculation. Okay, so uh, so you go to um, uh, Raghunandan Prabhu's Namhatta program on a Friday, and then you go to the temple on a Sunday, and he spends more time with you than Ananda does, so he should get about um, four-fifths of that one-sixth, and Ananda might get one-fifth of that one-sixth. <laughs> but, you know, she's not always here, so that would be less than the ones here. <laughs> Right. So I haven't, I've never, um, although, there's one place. Yeah. Yeah, isn't there one place where Prabhupada talks about the GBCs and the uh, 12 Mahajans? In, in, in the purport, I'd have to find it. So I'd have to check on that. Yeah, okay, because I do remember something about that now. Yeah. Okay, is it, can we move on now? Okay. Text 15. Lord Vishnu continued, My dear King Prithu, if you continue to protect the citizens according to the instructions of the learned Brahmana authorities, as they are received by the disciplic succession by hearing from master to disciple, and if you follow the religious principles laid down by them without attachment to ideas manufactured by mental concoction, then every one of your citizens will be happy and will love you, and very soon you will be able to see 
such already liberated personalities as the four Kumaras. So could you imagine a leader in society today whom everyone loves? My dear king, I am very captivated by... This is Krishna speaking, so it's quite amazing. He's captivated. I am very captivated by your elevated qualities and excellent behavior. And thus, I am very favorably inclined toward you. You may therefore ask from me any benediction you like. One who does not possess elevated qualities and behavior cannot possibly achieve my favor simply by performance of sacrifices, severe austerities, or mystic yoga. But I always remain equipoised in the heart of one who is also equipoised in all circumstances. It's not easy to be equipoised in all circumstances. The great saint Maitreya continued, My dear Vidura, in this way Maharaj Prithu, the conqueror of the entire world, accepted the instructions of the Supreme Personality of Godhead on his head. As King Indra was standing by, he became ashamed of his own activities and fell down before King Prithu to touch his lotus feet. But Prithu Maharaj immediately embraced him in great ecstasy and gave up all envy against him for, him, um, against him for his having stolen the horse meant for sacrifice. And Prabhupada writes that Indra decided to fall down at the lotus feet of King Prithu. But the king was so magnanimous a Vaishnava that he did not want Maharaj Indra to fall down at his feet. Instead, King Indra and Maharaj Prithu were... En um, I'm sorry. Instead, King Prithu immediately picked him up and embraced him. And both of them forgot all past incidences. Both King Indra and Maharaj Prithu were envious and angry with each other, but since both of them were Vaishnavas, or servants of Lord Vishnu, it was their duty to adjust the cause of their envy. This is also a first-class example of cooperative behavior between Vaishnavas. In the present days, however, because people are not Vaishnavas, they fight perpetually among one another and are vanquished without finishing the mission of human life. There is a great need to propagate the Krishna consciousness movement in the world so that even though people sometimes become angry and malicious towards one another, because of their being Krishna conscious, such rivalry, competition, and envy can be adjusted without difficulty. So um, this is such an important point in this verse, right? That... Uh, the example being set here, hmm? that they, uh, so they were, you know, they were pretty upset with each other. And it's a duty of Vaishnavas, probably, it's a duty of Vaishnavas to forgive and forget. Of course, forget, you know, especially to forgive. Forget the, the, um, the one clause there is, you know, the, the example we give, right, that uh, if someone has, you know, stolen some money from the hundi, you know, we, we may forgive them if they apologize and return the money, but we don't make them the treasurer of the temple. Right? You know, so, so in that sense. But as a general rule, um, you know, we don't want to leave this world, you know, still, oh, that guy or that lady, right? Um, and so it, they were so upset with one another, 
And Indra had done so many wrong things, and he, you know, he let go of it. You know, the uh, the thing is that when we're upset with someone, the person that it hurts the most is us. Yeah, and and as Prabhupada once said about Iskon, he said that the uh, the only the the only real uh, threat is the threat within when devotees are not getting along with one another. He had seen that himself in his Guru Maharaj's uh, mission, right? So. Um, we should learn to let go of, uh, of, uh, thing, of misgivings and uh, conflicts and disapproval of sometimes the way someone does something or doesn't do something. Um, and this is definitely what Angira and Narada are preaching to. Uh, oh, well, I mean, uh, in, the, in the example of... Um, but I was telling you before about Narada and Angira and, and Chichiketu's son. What was his name? Harshashoka. Yes, Harshashoka. Um, they were all kind of preaching this detachment. So part of being detached is not just being detached from not following the, you know, following the four regular principles, but also means detached from anger and detached from having to be right. right? And ultimately de- just letting go of... of uh, Things. That doesn't mean that you know, a person has really, really harmed us or, or we really don't get along with or we really see the world in a different way that they have to become our best friend. Right? That, you know, that we, we can mainly associate with swajatiya people, right? people who are like-minded. Um, but, that, but the enmity right, can, be, uh, can be released. And that's an important, very important point. That's an example that's given here, by, especially by Prithu, right? Because Indra paid obeisances and was very repentant. And Prithu was like, no, stand up. Right? <laughs> Narayan Maharaj has a very good sense of humor. So I won't mention who it was, but many years ago I was at a GBC meeting and the GBC chairman, uh, there was two two devotees that weren't getting along. So he brought them in front of the GBC and had them embrace one another. And at, uh, at the end of the embrace, Bhadrinarayan Maharaj turned to one of them and said, he was embracing you, check your pockets. <laughs> See if he didn't pickpocket you. <laughs> it was a good joke. <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts on this? Yes, uh, get a microphone. Hare Krishna. I was listening to Sri Prabhupada online on YouTube, and he says, uh, there's a YouTube video, he says you can never trust your own mind. Like, if, if someone gives you ten compliments and one insult, your mind will cling to the insult. Insult, yes. And so... It's, yeah, you have to be constantly vigilant. Right. That's why I don't like getting um, feedback from my seminars. Because <laughs> everyone's like, yeah, yeah, nice, nice, nice. And one person's like, Argh. and I worry about that for the next five weeks. <laughs> um, gosh, I was going to say something else now. I can't remember what it was. 
Anyway, any other thoughts? Yes, Prabhu, microphone. So one more thing I remember is like how to overcome the negative emotions. Uh, like uh, I was just giving an analogy, the bees always goes behind the uh, the uh, honey where uh, the bees the, go to the honey. The honey. And the flies so it's like to one the... of the qualities of the devotees only focus on the good things of the other person, and like we can see the bad qualities, but like don't contemplate on the bad qualities. Only see the good qualities, like a bee that like goes towards the honey. Uh, that very much like relates to this. Like you know, looks like Prithu Maharaj is just focusing on only on the good things on the Indra and as well as like uh, mm -hmm. uh, Mahavishnu's. Uh, so that's connected to Prabhuji's point about uh, the mind being a friend and an enemy. Because Krishna, right, he's, he clearly says, Udared Atmanatmanam, Natmanam Avasadiyat, Atmaiva Hyatmano Bandur, Amaiva Viparatmanaha, right? That one, our mind could be our friend or our enemy. And so here we're talking basically, in one sense, this point is about making our, friend, our mind a friend, right? That's kind of your question. In one sense, you could rephrase, rephrase that question in that sense. Um, and that kind of comes from Gyan and Vigyan, right? We understand theoretically, like that verse from the sixth chapter of the Gita, that our mind should be a friend and our mind should focus on the positive qualities. Uh, and, I, and my understanding is we also need mercy to be able to do that. <laughs> we need spiritual strength to actually bring our mind away from the negative and towards the positive. And of course, that comes from you know that verse in the uh, second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Param Jistva, getting a higher taste by engaging fully in devotional service. Um, we get that higher taste, and we also you know that which is Krishna's mercy. And when we're, I think we all know, right? It's it's amazing how we can, the same mind can be in good consciousness and bad consciousness, almost like minutes apart, right? If not days apart, right? And uh, so it's just kind of, uh, I don't think a lot of you were um, surfers in your youth, neither was I actually, but you know, catching a wave, they talk about in surfing, right, you catch a wave and you can ride it for a long time, so we want to catch that wave of the higher taste of, of uh, Krishna consciousness, and then it becomes much easier to follow the instructions of Krishna. When he says things like, you know, control your mind and and look at the good qualities in people, so it, it's important to uh, read the Bhagavad, as Henry was saying earlier, to read the Bhagavatam regularly and to bathe our, because that's also devotional service and gives us a higher taste, but also bathe our intelligence, and then uh, that combination of hearing and 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 making our own effort and then getting Krishna's help then it becomes, uh, otherwise it's really hard to just, you know, drag. we drag our mind to the Pansama's good qualities and our, and our mind bounces back like a rubber band to, yeah, but, what about this, what about that, what about this, what about that, you know, we try to drag, and the dragging becomes so hard, right, because we're doing it on kind of on our own strength. The dragging becomes a lot easier when we, uh, it's, it, when it's not so much dragging, it's, it feels like uh, catching a wave. Uh, I think uh, Vaisheshkabu was talking about this. He was talking to me about um, his program of reading 41 verses, uh, pages a day. And he says, sometimes Braj just catch a wave and it becomes so effortless. 
You get so much realization. Is that all right? Oh, 41 is because that's how many pages you have to read a day to read the whole Bhagavatam in a year. That's why. I think it's a very accurate number. I don't think it's very approximate. I think it's like plus or minus, uh, could be a, no more than plus or minus 41 pages. Right? Yeah, there's an app. Be a sage page by page. You can, yeah, and so you can set it. You know, if you want to read one, one verse a day, it'll tell you how many lifetimes it'll take or whatever, right? But it, it actually tells you uh, everything. Yeah. Anything else on this? Okay. Let's move on. King Prithu abundantly worshipped the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of God. I wonder what that means to abundantly worship. Who was so merciful to him. While worshipping the lotus feet of the Lord, Prithimaraj gradually increased his ecstasy in devotional service. Talk about higher taste. The Lord was just about to leave, but because he was so greatly inclined toward the behavior of King Prithu, he did not depart. Seeing the behavior of Maharaj Prithu with his lotus eyes, he was detained because he is always the well-wisher of his devotees. So before we get into the purport, I was just saying, we, this is a, a theme that we hear sometimes in the Bhagavatam, isn't it? Maybe also in Chaitanya Charitamrita, where a, a great soul or Krishna himself is leaving, and they say, no, no, just you know, stay three more days or two more days, right? Uh, anyone think of an example? Um, several devotees try to stop him. You know, Queen Kunti stops him, and uh, then finally he stops because for Bhishma Dev, basically. Right? Ah, right. Yeah. Yudhishthira also stops Yudhishthira him. Right? also yeah. stops him. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Many ex examples like that. And, and there's Lord Chaitanya's examples, like he stays because of I forget the details, but Sarvabhauma Bhattacharya in one place, mm. and maybe Ramananda Rai in one place. <laughs> Yeah. I guess they, they didn't have Google calendars in those days. They say, I'd like to stay, but I'm, you know, <laughs> I have to be somewhere else. <laughs> People had a lot more uh, <clears throat> time to adjust their schedules. <clears throat> Purport. <clears throat> Here the words suritsatam are very significant. The Supreme Personality of God is always very inclined toward his devotee and is always thinking of the devotee's well-being. That is not partiality. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, the Lord is equal to everyone, samoham sarva bhuteshu, but to one who particularly engages in his service, he is very much inclined. In another place, the Lord says that a devotee always exists in his heart, and he also exists always in the heart of the devotee. The special inclination of the Supreme Personality of Godhead for his pure devotee is not unnatural, nor is it partiality. Um, so this word suritsatam, right? Surit means friend, right? So let's see, let's see if this is going to work. I wanted to play a little part of a lecture. This is one of the most amazing lectures um, I've heard of Srila Prabhupada's. <clears throat> at the end, this is not, oh sorry, at the end, it's really a kind of reverberating a little, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. Um, at the end, uh, this very innocent young lady asked Prabhupada a question, because uh, Prabhupada was saying how we're all conditioned souls, 
So she says, Prabhupada, you're not a conditioned soul. You can, and the whole exchange, maybe we'll play it uh, just for your pleasure. But first, let's t see if we can play this point. Um, let's see if it's loud enough. <clears throat> so be ready to adjust the... Uh, Oh, I got to put on the uh, Wi-Fi. I turned the Wi-Fi off. Let's see if it's going to work. Uh, just remember, it's uh, 17 minutes and 28 seconds. That's where it is in the 1728. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Krishna Hare, Hare Hare, Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare Hare. Oh, I guess I'll... Um, well, I, I found it on, um, oops, Prabhupadvani.org. Let's see if, I'll just try it this time, but you, um, otherwise you can go there. No, no, not 1728. 1728 is the amount of minutes into the lecture. Well, I just connected, so let's see if this works first, and if it doesn't, we'll Sweet. 
is always uh, expecting my good. How I shall be good? And they, uh, therefore he is canvassing me. Oh, please, oh, you surrender to me, just like Father says, my dear God, why you are acting independently, foolishly, you are suffering? Just surrender unto me, I shall give you, I shall give you protection. Similarly, Krishna is friend like that. He is always asking. He is going with me in any type of body. Even if I get the body of a dog, Krishna is always there with me. Krishna is always there with me, even if I get the body of a dog. So, nice, huh? And the difference between Surit, Pandu, and Mitra. And because I picked up on that because this verse says, uh, has the word surit in it, right? One that we're studying, or in the purport Prabhupada. Yeah, the words uh, surit satam. So Krishna is always our friend. Let me, I'll see if I, if, um, just real quickly, if I can find that amazing exchange. Just give me five seconds. Maybe, well, let's see. Nope, it's not happening easily, so. Your Prabhupada is speaking like such a um, kind-hearted father in the, in the exchange. This is also the lecture, maybe some of you are familiar, where he's, he's giving a talk, and then the ice cream truck is going down the street. And he said, what is this? And what he said is... Uh, uh, ice cream truck, Vishnu John says. Oh, ice cream, you are taking ice cream? No, they go up and down the street, Vishnu John says. Prabhupada says, canvassing? Tamal Krishna, yes. Prabhupada says, don't take ice cream, and everyone laughs. And he says, this is Maya. Come on, come on, enjoy me. Come on, come on, enjoy me. As soon as you enjoy, you become entrapped. That's all. And then he goes into a whole explanation about um, how the fish becomes entrapped tracked by by his tongue, right? Sees the bait and goes for it, and the uh, deer becomes tracked by the ear ears. Hears the the flute of the uh, or the horn, whatever of the uh, hunter, and the sh and the uh, the male elephant becomes tracked by sex life because uh, the, there's a big pit and there's a female elephant on the other side of the pit and he falls into the pit. And he said, they're all uh, they become entrapped by one of their senses, but all of our senses can entrap us. So he, so he, he takes that all from the ice cream truck. And, uh, um, and I really can't do justice to, to this, uh, this uh, oh, her name is Vir, uh, Vira Badra. She said, you, and you have to, she says in this such sweet, innocent voice, and Prabhupada replies in such a fatherly, fatherly voice. And uh, she says, you said in your lecture that everybody, I think that's what you said, that everybody in the material world is in Maya, but you can't be in Maya. Prabhupada, how do you think? What do you think? You're spiritual. I'm trying to imitate her. So you can't be in Maya. So how does that work? How do you think I'm not in Maya, Prabhupada says? Because you're a pure devotee. You see Krishna in everybody. Prabhupada laughs. Yes, 
then a pure devotee is not in Maya. Do you agree to that? Uh-huh, she says. So, are you going to be a pure devotee? And she says, me? And Prabhupada says, yes. She says, I'm not a pure devotee, but you are going to be, trying to be. I try to be, she says. Prabhupada says, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Very sweet. It's an early lecture, I think 1968. Uh, I think it's LA if it's Vishnu John and uh, Maharaj and but I'm not sure. Let's see. It's uh two uh oh it's in Seattle. Uh October fourteenth, nineteen sixty eight, and it's um chapter two nineteen to twenty five. Really lovely. Really lovely, yeah. Any thoughts on this? About about Krishna being our friend? Okay, then text 21. The original king, Maharaj Prithu, his eyes full of tears, imagine this great king crying, and his voice faltering and choked up, could neither see the Lord very distinctly nor speak to address the Lord in any way. He simply embraced the Lord within his heart and remained standing in that way with folded hands. One second. All right. Um, the Supreme Personality of Godhead stood with his lotus feet almost touching the ground while he rested the front of his hand on the raised shoulder of Karuda, the enemy of the snakes. Maharaj Pitu, wiping the tears from his eyes, tried to look upon the Lord, but it appeared that the king was not fully satisfied by looking at him. Thus, the king offered the following prayers. My dear Lord, you are the best of the demigods who can offer benedictions. Why, therefore, should any learned person ask you for benedictions meant for living entities bewildered by the modes of nature? That's a powerful point, actually. Sometimes we just read past it. He's saying, why would anyone want anything? Basically, what he's ultimately saying, why would anyone ask anything of you except pure bhakti? And it's an important thing, right? Because so many of us go in front of the deities, you know. And, you know. Such benedictions are available automatically, even in the lives of living entities suffering in hellish conditions. My dear Lord, you can certainly bestow merging into your existence, but I do not wish to have such a benediction. My dear Lord, I therefore... Do not wish to have the benediction emerging into your existence, a benediction in which there is no existence of the nectarian beverage of your lotus feet. I want the benediction of at least one million ears, for thus I may be able to hear about the glories of your lotus feet from the mouths of your pure devotees. So this is a famous verse, right? Because it, it, it's uh, much, much later on... Um, um, Repeated, in one sense, we could say, by Srila Rupa Goswami, right? Um, and Prithu. So just imagine if uh, you like something so much that you want a million of it. Right? You like hearing so much, you want to hear it a million times over. Was there something wrong? Something wrong?
There's Prabhupada. Oh no, I think it's coming from. It's coming from the altar. Yeah. So uh, Prabhupada wrote a letter uh, to Jai Pataka Maharaj in very early 1969. He wasn't a Maharaj yet. Um, the transcendental experience which you had during Kirtan performance at the Loyola University is very nice. Relishing the transcendental sweetness of Krishna Kirtan is only possible when one is actually advanced towards perfection. Srila Rupa Goswami used to uh, say, wishing if he had possessed millions of ears and billions of tongues, <laughs> that he could chant the Hare Krishna mantra with a little bit relishably. In the conditioned stage, we chant Hare Krishna mantra officially without any attachment and try to finish the rounds as soon as possible. And that Prabhupada really nailed us there, right? <laughs> right? right? Do we ever do that? That we, uh, we chant officially without any attachment and try to finish the rounds as soon as possible. Right? Have you ever, like, you know... You're on your last Bihari Kishari 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 Ram 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 Ram. Sometimes we also forget to chant the prescribed number of rounds. But Haridas Thakur, even at the last stage of his life, he was chanting 300,000 beads, although Lord Chaitanya personally asked him to not labor so hard. But Haridas Thakur said that he would continue the practice till the end of his life. So that is the position of transcendental taste. Please, therefore, chant very sincerely with your present aptitude of mind, and Krishna will bless you more and more in understanding the secret of transcendental vibration. Of course, sometimes the public may misunderstand such tears of bliss, so we may better have to check it from the vision of ordinary persons. So Prabhupada was also giving us a little glimpse into himself, right, that he only very few times just got so overwhelmed by ecstasy that he exhibited it externally. Right. He was actually very careful about that. Nice, wonderful letter. Um, and also in the teachings of Queen Kunti, he says that Nama Gane Sadaruchi, such a devotee, he's quoting Rupa Goswami, is never tired of chanting, singing, or dancing. The word Sada means always, and Ruchi means taste. A devotee always has a taste for chanting Hare Krishna. Oh, very nice. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. That is taste. Of course, this taste takes time to awaken. But when Rupa Goswami was chanting, he was thinking, I have only one tongue and two ears? What can I appreciate of chanting? If I could have millions of tongues, and here he says trillions of ears. <laughs> he went from billions to trillions. Uh, then I could relish something of chanting and hearing. Of course, we should not imitate him, but the devotees of the Krishna Consciousness Movement must at least be very careful to complete their 16 rounds, their minimum amount of prescribed chanting. Namagane uh, Sadaruchi. We have to increase our taste for singing and chanting Hare Krishna. Thoughts on this? Okay, so it's, but this is, uh, it's, it's one of those things that it's, when you're giving a class or something, you can reference. Remember that Prithu Maharaj asked for this and Rupa Goswami. Are you holding the mic because you want to say something? Yeah, because we've been speaking about the higher taste. So he's very specific here that he wants to hear this from the pure devotees. 
um, not like anyone. Mm. So, because within the heart of a pure devotee is really like their longing to, you know, glorify and serve the Lord. So when they open their heart, then somehow we come in contact with, you know, Krishna's internal potency, and we feel it. And then there's a pleasure, and he's feeling that pleasure just by hearing, like he says later, that even once if we hear, we feel so much pleasure. You know, so who would give it up? So like, you know, in wanting to get that higher taste, this hearing from mm. a pure soul is such a quick way to develop that higher taste because we can contact Krishna somehow. Very nice. Yeah. And uh, you, you stole my thunder because that's what we were going to talk about in the next verse. Because <laughs> the next verse says, My dear Lord, you are glorified by the selected verses uttered by great personalities. And this is interesting, selected verses, like Krishna is called, uh, what is it? Uttama Shloka Gunana Varnam. One is glorified by choice verses. Such glorification of your lotus feet is like saffron particles. When the transcendental vibration from the mouth of great devotees carries the aroma of the saffron dust of your lotus feet, the forgetful living entity gradually remembers his eternal relationship with you. Devotees thus gradually come to the right conclusion about the value of life. My dear Lord, I therefore do not need any other benediction but the opportunity to hear from the mouth of pure devotees. And Prabhupada writes, Although when a pure devotee speaks, the articulation of his voice may resemble the sound of this material sky. Right? It sounds like a, any other sound. Right? The voice is spiritually very powerful because it touches the particles of saffron dust on the lotus feet of the Lord. As soon as a sleeping living entity hears the powerful voice emanating from the mouth of a pure devotee, he immediately remembers his eternal relationship with the Lord, although up until that moment he had forgotten everything. For a conditioned soul, therefore, it is very important to hear from the mouth of a pure devotee who is fully surrendered to the lotus feet of the Lord without any material desire, speculative knowledge, or contamination of the modes of material nature. So, in one sense, this is um, why we want to read the Bhagavatam. <laughs> We're associating in the purport with Srila Prabhupada, we, and of course he's quoting the previous acharyas, and we're associating, like in this chapter, we're associating with Lord Vishnu himself. We're associating with Prithu Maharaj. Even we're associating with Indra Dev. Right? We're getting so much good association. And it also gives us a good understanding of why it's so important to give the Bhagavatam to others and the Bhagavad Gita. Because we're giving them a chance to associate with these great souls. Yes. No, go ahead. He always speaks to you. <laughs> so Prabhu, so while we are not there yet, we are still under the influence of material modes of nature. Uh, so, and if we, can, if we make endeavor to preach also, so we are glorifying Krishna and we are trying to share um, Krishna with others. But ideally, we, we are not pure devotees. Why not? So, but that, you know. Why aren't you a pure devotee? I'm, we are trying to be a pure devotee. I'll ask your brother. He'd probably times, say you are a pure devotee. There are times we are not <laughs> in full remembrance of Krishna. So then um, my question is, <clears throat> how should we understand that? Like, is it still okay? I mean, we are preaching. But, but I'm, now that we are reading about this, I feel like I should ask. 
Well, you know, uh, Krishna said, well, Krishna doesn't say this, but uh, he says, dire, dire. <laughs> you know, it, it, takes some, it takes some time in the, uh, what was the I, I, I forget my research, but it's something like in the last six chapters of the Bhagavad Gita, Srila Prabhupada uses the word gradually. I can't remember how many times, like eight times or something. I can't remember the number, but um, like that. The, the point is that we should uh, be making progress. That's the point. We should always feel that we're going in a good direction and not going backwards. The fact that we have material desires, it's like, you know, as they would say in America, they say, duh, right? right? Because that, otherwise we wouldn't be here. <laughs> we wouldn't have a material body, we wouldn't get entangled in this world, right? So it's not at all surprising that we, that we haven't become completely pure. But, as, but if we feel we're making Progress, steady progress. Ado shadha tata sadhu sangha tabajana kriya narta nivritti nishta ruchi ashakti bhava prema. Right, those are the nine stages of of bhakti. Uh, and also, I remember hearing from Bhakti Chaitanya Maharaj that after nishta, which means steadiness, right, um, it goes very quickly. The last of the other stages. So. It could be a little bit like um, sometimes, you know, we uh, people make a breakthrough, right? Like, let's say, let's say they uh, were uh, started a startup business, right? And so much work and so much labor, and not very many results, not very many results, and then sometime, boom, right? It takes off, right? Or a person, you know, um, and for even us, we, you know, we may be, you know, trying to chant attentively, trying to chant attentively. It's really hard, and then, you know, kind of the the, the clouds part, right? Um, and we may think, oh, it was that moment that we that we, you know, that we that something came through that that startup made success, but actually, it was so much of the work that led up to it, that didn't seem like there was a lot of progress, that actually was, it was that work that brought us to the point where some, you know, major breakthrough happened, right? Or what did uh, Thomas Jefferson, not Thomas Jefferson, uh, Thomas uh, Edison, right? He said when he invented the light bulb, he said, I found 10,000 ways that it didn't work, right? But it was all that work that led up to him actually making, you know, so, so it's a little bit like that for us also. We may, you know, we, we just, you know, keep at it and uh, when Krishna desires, uh, the, the clouds will part. And of course, on a very elevated stage, that's, that's exactly said in the Shastra, that, um, that when, that's when we make uh, reach bhava, that the uh, samvit and ladini shakti descend upon the living entity. So, so we, um, we try our best, and we pray to Krishna, and it's a, it's a, it's an inter I find it's an interesting balance between really making our, great, our best effort and not being in like total anxiety <laughs> that we're, you know, to have some level of satisfaction that we're making our best endeavor, but at the same time never to be complacent, right, in any endeavor in life. Right, complacency, you know, just leads to, you know, lack of effort. But at the same time, um, 
to feel some satisfaction. Tushti pushti shudapaya, right? Is that the way it goes? Yeah. That there's something that we feel some satisfaction and you know, don't beat ourselves up too much. But at the same time, try to make rapid progress. That's, does that sound contradictory? You know, a lot of things are yin and yang or achintya beta beta, right? So I just find sometimes devotees, you know, they just get so much anxiety. I'm not a pure devotee. I'm not a pure devotee. Yeah. <laughs> The more you start feeling peace, or somewhere around peace, is is a way you know you're going right or you peace. Know, not, not being bewildered or being yeah. in anxiety. Well, yeah, and peace, of course, can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. But yeah. yes, that well, uh, one's feeling relieved from society and kanchati. That might be one way to describe peace. Yeah, lamentation and hankering uh, both for material things. And samak sarveshu bhuteshu madhavaktim labhateparam. And Prabhupada would say that we can also charge, uh, like the thermometer is that the material desires are decreasing. So, it's but it, but we should we should really be endeavoring to make uh, progress on a daily basis. That's what sadhana means. Sadhana means practice, right? Sadhana means practice. <laughs> I, they, I I know a a, a a person, not not necessarily a devotee, but her name the name that her parents gave her was Sadhana in India, and uh, then the reason was that they, they had grown up um, right near a Gaudiya Math, and they heard all these lectures and stuff. So then she named her son Chaitanya. Other thoughts on this? Oh, yeah, yes, you were going to comment before your uh, better half commented first. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Prabhu. So, when Srila Prabhupada, he started and tracted, one of the characteristics I see is he used to say, you may be impure, I may be impure, but the message is pure. Yeah. And it will purify all of us. Very good, yes. So, that's why we take on scriptures for our own purification. It's not, and there is a difference that we, from natural devotion. We hear about uh, anukaran versus anusharan. Anukaran is just imitating, the, doing the oh, same yeah. action. Imitating anusharan and, uh, is following taking the shelter, precepts. following the instructions, and taking them to the heart. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Very you. Much. Okay, should we move on? What time is it? It's quarter two. Okay. Text twenty-six. My dear, highly glorified Lord. If one, in the association of pure devotees, hears even once... Oh, let me just see if I had anything in my notes I wanted to say about this. Okay. Well, let's start from the beginning. My dear, highly glorified Lord, if one, in the association of pure devotees, hears even once the glories of your activities, he does not, unless he is nothing but an animal, give up the association of devotees. For no intelligent person would be so careless as to leave their association. The perfection of chanting and hearing about your glories was accepted even by the goddess of fortune, who desired to hear of your unlimited activities and transcendental glories. Text 27. 
Now I wish to engage in the service of the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and to serve just like the goddess of fortune who carries a lotus flower in her hand because her, his lordship, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is the reservoir of all transcendental qualities. I am afraid that the goddess of fortune and I would quarrel because both of us would be attentively engaged in the same service. Prabhupada writes in the last paragraph, Prithvi Maharaj desired to serve the Lord with the goddess of fortune, but this desire does not mean that he was situated on the platform of Madhurya Ras. The goddess of fortune is engaged in the service of the Lord in the rasa of Madhurya, conjugal love. Although her position is on the chest of the Lord, the goddess of fortune in her position as a devotee takes pleasure in serving the lotus feet of the Lord. Prithvi Maharaj was thinking only of the lotus feet of the Lord because he is on the platform of dasyaras or servitorship of the Lord. From the next verse, we learn that Prithimaraj was thinking of the goddess of fortune as a universal mother, Jagan Mata. Consequently, there was no question of his competing with her on the platform of Madhurya Rasa. Nonetheless, he feared that she might take offense at his engaging in the service of the Lord. This suggests that in the absolute world, there is sometimes competition between servitors in the service of the Lord, but such competition is without malice. In the Vaikuntha world, if a devotee excels the service of the Lord, others do not become envious of his excellent service, but rather aspire to come to the platform of that service. So Prabhupada would often talk about this uh, concept of uh, transcendental competition. So here's one example. He's speaking with Jayatirtha Prabhu and Ramesh, uh, Rameshwar Prabhu, and he said, Jayatirtha, one more thing. This is, he hands it, this is the British BTG. Prabhupada, oh, very nice. I did not see this picture. Rameshwar, it is a new painting from Bhagavatam, first canto. Parikshit painted it. Prabhupada, it's an American printing? Jayatirtha, this is British. Prabhupada, this is British. Rameshwar, they printed in, the, in England. How many copies? Jayatirtha, 100,000 copies. Prabhupada said, oh, competition. And he starts laughing. Rameshwar, yes, he's trying. Prabhupada, this trans transcendental competition must go on. Thank you. And then another place... Uh, I understand from Karandar that you will be setting up another ISKCON press in Los Angeles to engage our New York press in transcendental competition for printing my books. Competition and profiteering spirit are always there in the living entity. It is not that they can be artificially removed in some manner. Factually, we saw in Russia that by removing competition and profit calculation from society, the people we're not at all happy, and still these things are going on. So we shall not expect that we are any different. Our difference is that our profit is for Krishna's pleasure, and our competition is how to please Krishna more than someone else. Even amongst the gopis there is competition to please Krishna, and there is envy also, but this envy is not material, it is transcendental. They are thinking, oh, she has done something more wonderful than me, that is very nice. But now let me do something even more wonderful like that. 
So I am pleased that, you desire, that your desire for competition with your godbrothers to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world by printing our books there. And then to balance that, um, Prabhupada said, it is not so much important the quantity of books that we distribute, but that we serve Krishna as best we can and depend on him for results. Transcendental competition is nice, but it should not come to the point of making us lose our Krishna consciousness. When you have these feelings, do not mistake it for enviousness, but take it to be an indirect appreciation for the service done by your godbrothers. That is spiritual. In the material world, when someone surpasses us, in some way we become angry and plan how to stop him. But in the spiritual world, when someone does some better service, we think, oh, he has done so nicely. Let me help him to execute his service. So we should always endeavor to keep this attitude and serve Lord Krishna to the best of our ability. That will make our uh, one advance in spiritual life. So, um, yes, in, 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 in this world, um, there's very much a strong impetus to uh, outdo someone else. Uh, I can remember I used to, uh, when I was in India, um, and I was working for the Supreme Court, I used to also have to socialize with the judges. So, you know, go to their, uh, they would have a social event and they'd invite me. And I noticed the, the talk was all about, well, like, well, my son is uh, going to Yale. Well, my son got accepted at Harvard. You know, well, I just bought a, you know, such and such a car. Well, I just bought such. And it was like this really trying to outdo one another. Uh, you know, uh, it, was very, it was very prominent in, um, and these weren't also, these were judges. These were um, uh, well-to-do advocates, you know, and things like that. They'd come to these things. And, and I would say, and my goal is to, not, uh, is to not have all those prestigious things, but to actually learn to love Krishna. And they'd look at me like, <laughs> we'd have a good discussion after that. <laughs> like that. I said, there's nothing, I said, there's actually nothing wrong with that. But how are you going to connect that with Krishna? <laughs> right? Otherwise, you know, you just become unhappy. You become happy because, you know... Um, you know, you bought a Maserati, and so you outdid your friend who had a uh, Tesla. But then your neighbor gets a Ferrari, and you're really upset, right? Or as, uh, I, I've used this example so many times, but as our good friend Chaman Puri would say, because he's a, a builder in, uh, in the area, in Virginia, and uh, he, would, uh, he once sold a house to someone at, it, it was, and the rest of the things were just plots. There were no houses built yet. And the person built a big house, but they, were, they voiced the concern as they were planning the house that what if uh, the neighbors build smaller houses and that'll bring down the value in the neighborhood? And uh, Chaman said, don't worry. They all come from a particular culture where uh, they'll always try to outdo one another. Right, so uh, so that is, or as Srila Prabhupada, when he was in Japan, and he was uh, in Dainipan, the uh, the printer, the uh, building, that, the, the office that printed his books, the company that printed his books, 
And so they had all given him their card. That's a very Japanese thing to do. You do it with two hands and you... So he had the stack of cards in front of him. And at one point, everyone left the room except a junior, a junior person there. And Prabhupada started preaching to him and said, so what is, what, do you, what is the goal of life? And the junior found his card at the bottom of the stack and put it on top. That's the goal of life. <laughs> right. So um, that's not our goal of life as being uh, explained so nicely here. Mm -hmm. uh, competition should not be used in that way, but competition can be used in who can, how can I better please Krishna? Right? That's a nice competition. So we have time for, uh, any thoughts on, comp on the competitive spirit? You said you can't take it out of human beings. So, you, so a lot of things are like that. We don't, Jai Sri Sigurnitai Sitaram Lakshman Hanuman Shishi Radhamadamahan. A lot of things in spiritual life is not a question of giving things up. It's a question of purifying the motive. Right? Like like uh, Gopal Krishnamaraj would often say about his disciples here that many of them have big houses. He said, Okay, have your big house. But make sure that you invite people constantly over and have Sangha have satsang there and have programs, and use it in Krishna's service. Right? Like that. Any, any thoughts? No? Oh, yes, yes. Microphone? I was going to say, uh, there's no end to material desire. Like, there's no end to material desire. And if you think about it, like you always desire something you don't have. Like, right. You don't desire, if you have a phone, you don't desire a phone. But if you don't have a phone, so it's right. It's uh, it goes, goes back to the higher taste. How old is Warren Buffett? Any idea? Seventy plus. Yeah, but is he like saying, "Well, I got enough money now"? Quite Bagne, you know, right? No, <laughs> he's still <laughs> right. So yes, there is. Even if you're as like as wealthy as him, right? There's no necessary. Of course, he probably gets uh, enjoyment just out of the the work itself. But the, you're right, there's, there's generally no end. And if we're in a competitive spirit, then we can get really bummed out when someone else has something that we don't have. Right? That jealousy and envy is very... Uh, and the interesting thing about jealousy and envy is that ultimately, in the existential sense, it's uh, directed at God. Ishwaraham aham bogi siddham balavam sukhi. That we, we think ourselves, especially wanting to be the controller and the enjoyer. And that is actually Krishna's position, not ours. So, so if you go back deep enough into the inner chambers of our heart, that's where it ultimately rests. So ultimately, that means the way to overcome envy and jealousy ultimately is to deal with our relationship with Krishna. To only try to like not be envious of our neighbor or something like that, that's a little like... A, uh, as they say in India, uh, blowing on the boil, right? You have a boil. Anyone have boils growing up and stuff? Yeah, I used to get them. Uh, my wife used to get them a lot when we lived in India. Right? Too many mangoes, I think, right? They say, for some reason, they say there's a combination connection. And Krishna has a good sense of humor, right? Because the Alfonso mangoes, the best ones, they come from, uh, they come out. Mangoes are often are the best 
during the hot season when you can also get boils easily. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's a little deviation. But blowing on a boil, you know, usually it's much better to lance it. But, you know, just blowing on it, just, you know. So really, ultimately, um, we have to deal with our relationship with the Lord. Did I answer your question, though? Yeah. Okay. Yes, Gurdas? This might be the last one before classes are over. It's actually very interesting that you brought up in the course of... Hold the microphone like this. Yeah. In the course of your discussing what Prabhupada said uh, about competition, which is extremely interesting, you, yeah, he actually approached it in the examples you gave from two different angles. He said to one devotee, or his one comment about uh, transcendental competition was uh, that the devotee seek to do uh, that devotee did such a nice job of pleasing Krishna now let me do a better job Right. and then the other one uh, that you brought up later was that devotee did such a nice job of pleasing Krishna let me help that devotee mm. in serving Krishna Right. it was something I've heard over the years many things about this principle of transcendental competition and envy, but uh, that was a new light that opened up. Thank you very much. Thank you.